What's up, Parasconies? It's John, and I'm back with Megan and Brooke for another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. So if you um, really haven't got the chance to tune in, and you should, by the way, because our podcast is great. That's just yes, me. True. Uh, but it's everybody. Um, but into our previous episodes, we encourage you to check these out because really we cover so many great cryptids and ghost stories and everything. And I don't want you to miss anything out, especially like the Hodag of Rhinelander. That is such a fun one. The Summerwind Mansion. Did they burn it down? Did the town burn it down? Hmm, I wonder. The Beast of Bray Road. Hey, that's still a strong one. The Goat Man of Hogsback Road. And don't miss on that one, Brooke's personal uh, encounter or account mm -hmm. of it. Um, <laughs> Haunted Roads and Bridges, which I dare you. I'm calling you chicken if you don't go out <laughs> and try one of these. And please let us know. We're at DairylandFrights uh, at gmail.com. Uh, we'll love to uh, get a comment and see if you not chicken and went on any of those roads or bridges. And also, we're on YouTube. And so you can go on there and listen to us. Eventually, you'll see our shiny, happy faces. And of course, more. So remember, we are on every major podcast site, including Apple. So make sure to yes. listen and share with your friends and leave us some comments. We love to hear any comments you have about whether you think it's fake, whether you believe in it, whether you have a, a quick personal story you can share. We all love that, right, Brooke and Megan? Oh, yeah, definitely. You just would love to hear what you have to say. Awesome. So this week, we're doing another, well, it was supposed to be a mini-sode. It kind of <laughs> turned into a full-sode. Uh, <laughs> I like episode. that. <laughs> so, and this is some of the weirdest and funny cryptids aliens and legends we could find and you're going to get a, a real kick out of these great short stories from all over the midwest um and after <laughs> we bring these up um we're gonna give our thoughts right megan and brooke and see if we kind of believe them or you yeah, yeah. Maybe, right yeah, yeah i can't I wait to hear yeah, yeah i'm excited so let's get started i'm starting first with the banshee of the badlands Okay. Now I've been to the Badlands three times. I've been dragged there. Megan and Brooke, have you ever been dragged <laughs> on a family trip to South Dakota? Yes, actually. I have been. Although I was I was I, we did have fun. We went on a, a road trip and I was pretty young, so oh, okay. I enjoyed it. But um, okay. but yeah, we have been through the Badlands. Megan? I can't say that I've been there yet, but depending okay. on your story, maybe I will, maybe I won't. We'll, we'll come back to that later. Yeah. So if you, all right. So I've been dragged out there three times. I threatened my kids to take them to South Dakota because <laughs> the reason I say that it's beautiful, it's mysterious. But on the other hand, when I started to learn a little bit more about it, it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. And also it's kind of like you're looking at some big rocks. So yep. <laughs> I was yep. young. Good description. I was a teenager. So, you know. I'm going to take my kids sometime because maybe I'll appreciate it more. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to read this in the old timey voice. Okay. So Banshee of the Badlands. This is from 
You'll get a kick out of this, trust me. Uh, so it's from the gentleman who wrote this is uh, Mr. Skinner. Uh, he's the author of Charles Skinner, Myth, Myths and Legend of Our Land. So here comes my old timey voice. Hell <laughs> with fires out. He's what the Badlands of Dakota have been called. I've been there three times. <laughs> no, hold on. I just, <laughs> <stop there. laughs> That's pretty good, though. <laughs> all right. So, but he, all right. Back to my old Tommy voice because we got to give ambiance, right, ladies? We got to give some yeah. ambiance. This is from the 1800s, by the way. This uh, quote By moonlight, when the scenery is most suggestive and unearthly, <laughs> and the noises of the wolves and the owls inspire uneasy feelings, <laughs> the ghost is seen on the hill a half a mile south of the watch dog. Her hair flowing, <laughs> her arms tossing in strange gestures. So, I feel like I'm now, there. I really yeah. feel like I'm there. I was you just like transported there. back. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Banshees of the Badlands is a, uh, well, it's a creature. It's a Native American a creature. Uh, well, Banshee. Uh, that's the American version. Now, one thing with this is it also has a buddy or a companion. And what they said is they use this. Now, this is scary. I don't know about YouTube, but so the Banshee, she appears out of nowhere. So if you're in the Badlands camping, I don't know, taking a hike, whatever you're doing, um, she appears suddenly, okay? And she has a companion. Now, I'm going to get to the companion in a second because it's super scary. But this is, I think, really scary. Okay, so you're camping, you know, hey, having a good time, right? Got the fire going, having some s'mores, whatever you're doing, right? So the Banshee, the Banshee will appear out of nowhere. And she'll stand next to you, and she'll look like she wants to ask you a question, okay? Hmm. Then... If you ask her a question, this is where it goes crazy. She flings her arms aloft and with a shriek, and I think it would kind of sound like this. She then, and, and it echoes, I guess, for like a mile. Then she I just disappears. And in an instant later, you can see her wringing her hands on uh, a nearby hilltop. So weird, huh? Right? So imagine you're just having your s'mores, <laughs> cooking hot dogs, and all of a sudden, boom, this lady appears, and she looks like she's about to ask you something, and you say, can I help you? <laughs> Who are you? But, right. And she throws her arms up in the air, screams, boom, disappears. You look at the next, like, hilltop over, and there she is, just kind of wringing her hands and looking really worried. So, yeah, huh. that's not it's good. sad. It's a little sad. It is a little mm. sad. So it's based upon, I'm just going to do this really quickly, because nobody really has, from my research, all they can figure out is she was some type of um, Native American woman, and there was some major battle, possibly, but there's no real evidence of that. And uh, what happened was she viewed her tribe being slaughtered. 
from the hilltop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where they could find. And then she, um, whether she felt she should have fought and helped her tribe or whether, you know, she was making decisions. See, to me, this is my personal opinion. And Megan and Brooke, please chime in. My opinion is this. She was coming. She looked out, saw her tribe being slaughtered by soldiers and was thinking, should I go down there? Should I not go down there? And that's where I think like she's wringing her hands. And that's where I think she's yeah. like wants to ask a question. Like, hey, yeah, like, right. is it worth oh. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's lost. Right. Yeah. And that's the worst you could be, right? Imagine the hell you go through constantly knowing that you made the wrong decision and lost your tribe, your friends, and your family. So mm-hmm. yeah, that stinks. But so, at the same time, like what could she have done? You know, I, right. I, I don't doubt that situations like that happen for sure, but yeah, I feel like she probably made the right decision not going down there because yeah, sure. she probably would have died with them. But I mean, probably. it sounds like she was tormented probably the rest of her life though. So yeah, you don't know. What do you think, Megan? I would be interested to see what this lady looks like in real life. Because I'm just imagining that would be terrifying. You're just sitting there camping, having mm-hmm. a good time, doing your marshmallows, roasting mm-hmm. your hot dogs. Yep. And then she's just there like, hey, you want to you know, step right up? Put put a marshmallow on your own spit and get roasted. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why did someone yeah. ask her over? Hey, come on yeah, over. Yeah, right? You know, it's Midwestern it really hospitality. Is. Yeah, Midwest nice. <laughs> Just invite her exactly. over some more. <laughs> now, Did you, you said, you mentioned yeah, something about a companion. She has a companion? Yeah. And I will, I will get to that in a, in a second here. Okay, right? okay. But I want to bring up this too. So cattle will not graze near this haunted butte. And, and they say cowboys, but there are cowboys in South Dakota because I saw them. Um, they keep aloof from it. So, really, they don't speak about it, and uh, nobody really knows how to solve it. Nobody knows how to, because normally in Native American cultures, there's a bunch of things you can do to put the spirit at rest, but nobody's really sure how to quiet this unhappy banshee. And this has been going on, you know, for, you know, over hundreds, hundred of years, you know, so a long time. Um, but this is even worse. <laughs> so now you have someone that appears out of nowhere and you're like, uh, can I help you? Uh, hey, come on, join us at the fire. She also has a buddy. And this is an unfleshed skeleton. Oh. So it's a skeleton that plays music. And like the sirens from, you know, the Greek mythology, where, you know, the sailors, you probably studied it or at least know of it, where... You know, the they'll go past an island and they'll have this beautiful music and they'll go with their boats to the where it's coming from and then smash their boats upon the shore and the sirens will eat them. <laughs> so it's really a terrible story. Um, what this does is you hear the music and I think it's a violin from what people are saying. And what they do is you follow the music and it takes you out. They kind of like mesmerize you. And you go out and then you basically go in the rocky pitfalls of the Badlands and you're dead. (laughs) So, yeah. So basically you're out there and you hear, you know, violin music, you mesmerize, you start walking 
boom, you fall into some pit or whatever it might be, and you're dead. So to me, that's extremely unnerving. And yes, I would wet my pants. I'm man <laughs> enough to say that. <laughs> Love that they work together. That's so crazy. I was going to say, yeah, like, I feel as though... When I die, I would love to have a skeleton buddy who just plays music wherever I go. Just goes around, right? Plays a violin and like brings people to me, and I just scare the crap out of them, and then they run away. <laughs> like, that's that's how I'd want to live my life. That's I ideal. Note the self. Watch yeah. what. <laughs> Watch what Note the self. Uh, I definitely want Megan. a skeleton buddy. That's for sure. Skeleton buddy. Who doesn't? Megan, yeah. How about skeleton buddy? I mean, maybe I could be your skeleton buddy, Brooke, or Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, we can work together. We can make it happen. Great. I love love that. that. That's awesome. So, quick thoughts. Yes? No? I believe, I mean, I I definitely, I'd be curious to hear, like, uh, what people have actually experienced, because it does seem like it could be plausible, you know, like, the Badlands are... I mean, mm. being out there, it is very kind of spooky, paranormal feeling. Like, I could definitely see something yeah. like this happening. So I, I feel like I believe that this is a a thing. I would okay. be curious. I don't know if I would want to experience it myself, but I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Megan? I feel like it makes sense, especially if her spirit or her energy is kind of tied to the land. Maybe that kind of plays mm-hmm. into it. So mm-hmm. I, I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, one of the things we will, and I would love to cover this, uh, is so in South Dakota, you got to remember there is a ton of tragedies. Like we can cover the general Custer, you know, uh, his last stand. Cause there's an area right. you walk in, which I've been to twice. And when you walk into that area and this is, I wish, you know, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, but anyway, when you walk into the area, it's completely, and I mean completely silent. No birds, no wind, mm. nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere. And they have a uh, statue and to General Custer, uh, which I think they have taken down since then because of recent developments. So obviously into the Native American culture and how terribly we've treated them. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But... It's nothing. You you drive back uh, to this gravel road. You get out of the car. Nothing. Just completely silent. And people who have gone there at night, yeah, have seen apparitions of the battle happening, and they claim that they've seen like soldiers being, you know, bludgeoned to death and uh, you know, screaming and you know that terrible stuff. So, anyway, maybe uh, in the future we could cover that because I think South Dakota. Uh, loans itself to so many spirits and so many legends it's it's pretty interesting yeah for sure it's a very very interesting state yeah absolutely so there we go i think we i have a a yes on that too because i think there is something to this and being Mm -hmm. um i've studied some native american culture and you know i just found out all these things especially wool Tackle skinwalkers. That's definitely yeah. not what we'll bring up. Um, that's something we'll tackle in the future too. But looks like we got three yeses on it. So now Megan and the Crossford 
Monster. Is that correct? All right. <laughs> Crawfordsville Monster. Crawfordsville Monster. There yes. Go. Go I've on. got a great story for you all. I think this one is a good example of, you know, it's always a good idea to kind of question what you hear, what you see, make sure you maintain that healthy dose of skepticism, because this is a great example of how people kind of thought something was a thing and then it wasn't. So um, I'm going right. to get into that for, okay. for you all. So I'm going to set the scene for you all. This takes place in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And this is all the way back in 1891. So this was in September. It was September 5th of 1891. And it's 2 a.m. in the morning. So it's nice and dark. And mm. these two ice delivery men, because they had that back in the day, named yep. Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray. They're, you know, getting ready for their shift. They're loading up the wagon, getting ready for their morning rounds. You know, a normal start to their day. When all of a sudden, these two men feel this crazy, like, sense of dread. Like, something just comes over them. They can't explain it. And something told them, look up. You know, like, something in their intuition said, look up into the sky. So they do. And what they saw was this crazy, horrible, what they described as uh, a crazy apparition. So I actually found the actual news story from the 1890s, um, and I read it, their newspaper article. And this is what the actual... Hey, uh, Megan. Yeah. Hey, you want to do it in old-timey voice? Oh, yes. I love it. Although I <laughs> can't do it as good as you, <laughs> Yes. Well, I won't try to up you, John. Uh, won't be as good as yours. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. So this is what the actual Crawfordsville Journal said. So I'm going to read the excerpt from that. This is what the men saw. It was about 18 feet long and eight <laughs> feet wide and moved wow. rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins. It was pure white Ooh. and had no definite shape or form, um, but it kind of resembled this white shroud fitted with propelling fins. That's what it says. There was no tail or head visible, but, but there was a great flaming eye. Oh, very <laughs> Sauron vibes. Yeah. Definitely and, Sauron. Yes, this is the weirdest part. Jeez. They heard this sort of wheezing, plaintive sound emitted from okay. a mouth that was invisible. All right. It, yes, it flapped like a flag in the winds as it came on and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. So as you can see, you know, this, you know, was written in the 1800s, a little bit different. Yeah. This thing was just like this white mass moving around in the air. <laughs> These yeah. men were like, wild. It sounds okay. wild. Yeah, they're just trying to do their job. So absolutely terrifying. Although I don't think these men were too scared because they just sat there for an entire hour <laughs> watching this thing flying around in the air. It's like, all right, guys, got to get to your shift now. So they sat I'm trying there. to... <laughs> Watched I'm trying to think uh -oh. of like, oh my god! I'm trying to think of like what this could be because you said that you think this is like they mistook it for. I'm like, I'm very curious to see where this goes. <laughs> all right, all you listeners, think about what do you think that it could possibly be? Could it be a UFO? Could it be mm. an apparition, a ghost? We'll find mm -hmm. out. 
All right, so the men watch this thing for like an entire hour before they're like, all right, better get to our shifts. So they harness up their horses and they go on about their day. <clears throat> but, <laughs> you know, like nothing happened. Oh, but this made Sorry. me laugh. Um, that same newspaper clipping that I just read from said this. Both of the men were so worked up over the affair that they naturally associated it with the supernatural. They will carry a Springfield rifle to the barn the next time they go. And if the apparition comes flapping around, they will drill a hole in him with an ounce of cold lead. <laughs> so wow. they just think, you know, maybe I can just like shoot this thing. Just shoot it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I can, so can I do my old timey voice for a second? Go ahead, because John. This is perfect. Yeah. I'll be I'll be the one of the ice guys. All right, he goes. I see that creature again. I'll put a hole in his head full of lead. See that's exactly. I guess that's, that's what Indiana good. people sound like. Apparently, so well, yeah. take your word on it, John. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this thing, it's kind of hard to see because they described it as being like 300 to 400 feet in the air. So it was hard to yeah. see what this thing actually was back yeah. in the day. So, um, but hundreds of residents started saying like, we're seeing the same thing. Some people even said that mm. when it swooped down towards them, they could feel the monster's hot breath as it swooped over them. Ooh. So, okay. ah, nice. interesting. Okay, okay. Nice. I like it. So over the next few days, the Crawfordsville postmaster, he is just drowning in mail. He cannot keep up with all this correspondence about what this right. thing is. And like some people are completely panicking about it. They're thinking like, oh, this is, you know, an indication that judgment day is here. Like the world's going to end. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, some people, they were just having a meltdown about it. And then other people, they're they're like, okay, this is a load of BS. This can't possibly be, you know something you know truly paranormal so we even had our skeptics back in the day yeah so they did um a little bit more digging into it and there were actually two local men two different men their name were names were john hornbeck and abe hernley they were like okay we got to figure out what this thing is mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna put an end to this so yep. i think it was three days after the original newspaper clipping came out a second article came out, and I'm going to read what that um, article said. So the you title don't have to was "Old Voice." Yeah, use <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will. I will. So the title is so funny. They called it "The Spook Explained." They were calling it "The Spook." I love it. The Spook Explained. Like. That. All right. This is what it said. The horrible apparition, which was seen by numerous citizens Friday night, has been explained satisfactorily, and it did not prove to be a ghost. Ooh. John Hornbeck happened to step out in the yard about midnight and saw the horrible apparition as it swooped about town. Mm. He summoned Abe Hernley, and they proceeded to investigate. They followed the wraith around town and finally discovered... Dun, 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 what could it be? It was a flock of many hundred killdeers. So these are like tiny little oh. birds. Oh, right. Yes. So these birds, <laughs> they were, you know, passing over the city 
And the running theory is that they were bewildered by the new electric lights. And so they oh, were just right. discombobulated and lost their way. So oh, that's why they were sure. flying. And no, what the white that people were seeing, those were like the right, the white breast feathers of um, sure. the wings and the underbelly of the birds. So that's kind of what gave the blob its weird ghostly appearance. Uh -huh. And it also explains why it was making this like crazy, dismal, you know, plaintive cry. It was the birds that were making yeah. that noise. So, okay. Huh. Yeah. But something funny that I was reading about before I finished this story is that there were three different newspapers at the time in Crawfordsville and only that one newspaper reported on this crazy story. So the running theory <laughs> is that the Crawfordsville journal kind of took advantage of the story and they're sure. like, we're going to make this into something, you know, crazy. So that right. we can drive right. more sales mm -hmm. and, you know, people want to buy our, yeah. our newspaper. Sure. So they, you can yeah. tell even by the way they were right. writing the article, it's like, okay, they blew this out of proportion, but still mm. a great story. Interesting. Yeah. More examples of early, early marketing, great marketing. <laughs> yeah. We love that. We're all marketers. Yeah. So we, we can appreciate <laughs> yeah, a good marketing, marketing tactic. Like that. Yeah. yeah. That was like the whole dag, right? This is kind of similar to the Hodag story that we did in our first episode where, right. you know, yes. you know come on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. word kind of just flies around town and before you know it, it's kind of turned into something more than it actually is. And he says, she says, it went out. For sure. Know, oh, yeah, it just got out of control, but it does have a, an explanation. Birds. It was even okay. um, birds, yeah. It was even birds. the same time period. I think the Hodag was eighteen ninety as well, and this was eighteen ninety one. So maybe it was just <laughs> the thing, the thing to do. I know sure. something, something was was in the water. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that and what else did you have to do? There were no cell phones. There was no TV. There was no internet. Right. Sure. Just just make up some make some up cryptids. Some <laughs> Add a little right. drama here and there. Why not? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was a great story, Megan. All right, thanks. I'm going to pass yeah, it to fun. Brooke. She's going to talk about the haunchies. Yeah. The haunchies? <laughs> the haunchies? Yeah, the that's haunchies. exactly what I said. All right, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I am personally excited for this one because, again, I, I have another another personal story with this one. I oh, um, awesome. At some point, I'm going to run out of these, I think. But, um, but, yeah, I'm, like, trying to cover all my bases. But my husband also especially really loves this story. He thinks it's nice. so funny. Um, and he like talks about it all the time. So I want, I needed to talk about it. So this is the story of Haunchyville. So um, the legend of Haunchyville is another well-known story from Southeast Wisconsin, kind of where I grew up. Um, and it is essentially a village of little people. Um, so okay. there's a lot of different kind of things that people say, like different uh, versions of the story. But in every story that I've heard, Haunchyville is essentially a society of little people. It's in the woods located in Muskego, Wisconsin. Muskego is oh, about yeah. 20 minutes southwest of Milwaukee. So, um, and that it is close to a road called Mystic Drive. However, Ooh. yeah, very mm. kind of spooky, you know, setting, setting the scene a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the other details about Haunchyville and the story around it kind of tend to vary quite a bit depending on who's telling the story. So one of the more frequently told stories um, is that there was a group of circus dwarves, quote unquote. I, I want to say like this is a little, it's not the most like politically correct thing in the world. Right. You know, like yeah, little did. people are just people. Yeah, like, you know, exactly. I feel like the <laughs> around the yeah. time that 
yeah around the time that this story kind of like started being told you know i feel like it was very common to just kind of like other them you know and make them seem like they were mm, this, uh, yeah. i don't know like you know like yeah, circuses did. kind of did like when yeah. you know the bearded ladies and all <clears throat> you know the different types of people mm. um but so a story that was frequently to- told was that it was um, a group of circus dwarves who were fed up with the way that they were exploited and treated by their ringleader. And so they decided to kind of band together and kill their ringleader. And then they Ooh. cut off his legs at the knees and his arms and hung them okay. from a tree. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. And so then they proceeded Ooh. to go into hiding because they didn't want to be caught for yeah. this act that they did. <laughs> so they Naturally. went into hiding. <laughs> right. Um, so they went into hiding in the woods and they started their own secret society um, exclusively for little people with their homes built like to their own scale with all of their own needs taken <laughs> care of and they just kind of like shut themselves off from the rest of the world. Um, however, other stories do not describe the Haunchies as being like ruthless or these like awful people. They um, Other people just say that they were sick of like the ridicule and abuse that they got as being from being part of this circus and that they just wanted to be like peaceful and live their own lives. Um, another very common piece to the story though, and this I always hear no matter what, is that there is this <laughs> essentially a shotgun wielding protector who oversees the community. Mm. And he's like the one like normal sized person allowed in the community. And um, he protects the rest of them from being found out by the regular mm. society. He is also usually described as being a very large albino man. I don't know. Yeah. Again, mm. it, it's okay. specific enough that i'm like is there like some truth to this but um one story about this protector character is that he actually came upon the haunches when he was a young boy because he was running away because he too was being um treated poorly because of the fact that he was albino and so he found the haunchy community and he was you know treating them with kindness and as an equal and so they kind of took him in and raised them as like one of their own people. And then he grew up and became like their defender because he was like, turned out to be this like really large man. Um, And then he also is described as being very violent, running around with a shotgun and like, you know, shooting anyone who comes near their place. Um, Another story about the protector is that uh, the little people were seeking out um, somewhere to put their community and the protector was a farmer who offered up his land to them because he empathized with their plight. Again, because of the fact uh, that he was albino and people kind of made fun of him and treated him as like this outsider as well, kind of like they did with the little people. Sure. Um, It's said that um, if the intruders, (laughs) so this is another another thing that varies depending on who tells the story, um, but one of more common things that people say is that if intruders come looking for Haunchyville, the Haunchies, with the help of their protector, will again cut off the people's legs at the knees so they're oh more live like one of them. <laughs> Which again, wow, is, I just, you know, that's morbid. No, no evidence of this ever happening to anyone, okay. but you know, you never know. Um, and then uh, there are some again alternatives to this story, so. I personally heard this story so much growing up, specifically from my brother and my uncle. Um, they would talk about the Haunchies in Haunchyville quite a bit. And they would always say that the Haunchies would actually come out and attack intruders with baseball bats. And back in the day, I like genuinely believe that my uncle had like been to Haunchyville. Like, I don't know what it was about his story, but I like really believe that he had been there. Uh, but I think I was, I would just, I would tell my friends too. I'd be like, oh yeah, my, my uncle was there. He really saw it. Like, like he got attacked with a bat. 
<laughs> but I was but I was like eight, nine years old. So I was Aww. just being a gullible kid. But a um, little gullible brook. I know. I'm just yeah, I'd be telling my stories. Like my uncle was really there. <laughs> but yeah. it was real. It was real. Oh my gosh. But um it's just it's it's funny. So uh <laughs> I like this quote. Um I saw it, uh this author, Matt Wilde, he was writing for the MilwaukeeRecord.com. And he had a quote that said, if there's one thing that remains constant in the Haunchyville mythos, however, it's the absolute necessity for an ill-advised late night road trip to confirm the existence of the mysterious town, which (laughs) is very, very true. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. Um, And on that note, again, you know, similar to me and my uh, going to try to find the goat man going to Hogsback Road, we did (laughs) try to go find Haunchyville. Um, right nice. when I first got my license, I went with a couple friends. We went out to Muskego. We we printed out like map quest directions to get to Mystic Drive because <laughs> um, we didn't have a GPS at that time. Um, and when we got there, we we only really found like a large field. And I don't think we were really, really in the right place because I have seen other sure. people who have actually gone out there and found other things. So I don't think we were really in the right place. Um mm. But because I didn't really see a forest, but it is it wasn't a very kind of like rural area again, yeah. a, like a lot of Wisconsin is. Um, but another funny thing is that um, when I was in third grade, we had to write like little mini books and we could write them about literally anything we wanted to. So I wrote one about my birthday party. Um, and the other one that I wrote was a story about Haunchyville and a group of triplets who had lost their parents and they like went down to Haunchyville to try to find it and like blend in because they were kids it's very funny I'll have to show you I think I might have shown Megan at some point but yes I love it yeah it's very offensive I want to preface this all right I, it was like you know 2000 so things were a little different <laughs> have mercy and I was on a child. tiny brook <laughs> yes yeah come on give was, her a break she was young. it was yeah it was it was funny um another uh quote that i liked um was from uh i want to see who were the people that wrote this it was richard hendrix okay yeah uh richard hendrix who co-wrote weird wisconsin your travel guide to wisconsin's local legends he actually co-wrote it with linda godfrey who comes up in like every episode we mm-hmm. record we love her uh, i know we love linda yeah, um and Rest in peace. Yes. Rest in peace, Linda. Um, one of his quotes from uh, that book was, it's one of those typical stories that teenagers tell older brothers and fathers and uncles tell these tales and the kids want to go and see it for themselves, which I thought was funny because I was like, that was yeah. my exact experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, literally my uncle and my brother. Um, but anyway, so could there be any truth to the story? I thought that this was kind of interesting because when you think about it, Wisconsin is indeed home to many circus groups of the past. So like most famously, yeah. the Ringling Brothers Circus originated in Baraboo. Like yep. circuses were very common in, in Wisconsin, you know, in like the early 90s, like, you know, off through a lot of periods of time. Um, and when circus groups disbanded, they did indeed have performers that didn't like really have much else to do or anywhere else to really go. Cause right. again, they were kind of seen as like these strange people, these like others, you know, there are people born with like too many fingers or like all these, mm. you know, different physical yeah. abnormalities, I guess. Correct. Yeah. And so it was conceivable that they would go and build communities of their own where they kind of like understood each oh. other and could be like yeah. empathetic with each other. Um, and another quote 
from the uh, Weird Wisconsin book, um, Richard Hendricks said he couldn't find any truth to the stories, but Linda had said that she actually knew of a private community on Delavan Lake that had a bunch of ex-circus performers living amongst each other. So she could see, yeah, so she was like, you know, she could see where it would be partially true um probably not you know all the like horrific things that they apparently did to people but at least that it could be true that they all like live together in a community and try to kind of shut themselves away from uh the normal quote-unquote people yeah um but what is true is that everyone kind of uh said that they did experience is that people in this area of muskego are very annoyed with trespassers in the area <laughs> and police commonly patrol the location yeah. and they give out citations to teenagers looking for um, oh, this mystical village. This I know. That's come crazy. Um, right? Um, and one last, um, one last thing that I thought was really interesting. So Matt Wilde, again, from that MilwaukeeRecord.com website, um, he also used to write for the AV Club Milwaukee and hmm. he wrote a story about Haunchyville back in 2010 and um, he went out looking for it. And he actually took a photo of a cluster of like dilapidated stone huts in the woods near Mystic Road. Um, oh, I put cool. a picture into the outline, actually. But it's really interesting. They were definitely like abandoned. Um, but he imagines that the huts maybe like helped give rise to the urban legend back in the day. Like maybe someone sure. through yeah. the woods, they saw these huts and they kind of like came up with this story and started like spreading it around. And it was just kind of like this, um, you know, this tale that people um, started telling to their friends and family members. Um, But he revisited the area in 2015. So five years later, and he found the same exact location. um, And he said what once was full of mystery and wonder had been essentially bulldozed over. And in the area is now an upper middle-class suburban neighborhood, of course. So, so yeah, so that entire area has been like completely destroyed um, and replaced with, a bunch of like you know five hundred thousand to a million dollar homes. Um, wow. So he he said he fears that the legends of Haunchyville will soon die out because there's nothing really to go Aww. explore. Yeah. So, though, um, so that's kind of <laughs> yeah, which you know, which does kind of suck, honestly. Like I know, yeah. you know, it is what it is. We won't dive yeah. too deep into that, but um, but I just thought you know I want I want to keep the legend alive. So I guess it's it's up to us to yeah. uh to keep those stories going even if right even if there's now just a bunch of like rich people houses instead of <laughs> yeah yeah cool old huts yeah but but yeah so that's the story of the of Haunchyville it was a big part of my my childhood growing up and right. uh yeah it's good times and i'm really excited to hear about john's next story about the space penguins so space. <laughs> i'm Penguin. very intrigued me too so um, just with this story really quick, um, there is a movie uh, called Freaks. It was done in the 30s. So yes, political correctness wasn't there. And it's the right. same thing, basically. So these circus performers get together. It's a really good movie, actually. Uh, it was nominated for like three or four Oscars. Um, it's on TCM, if you, ha- if you have TCM. Um, and they always play it during March for Oscar month. Um, and these get these um, people get together, which they called freaks. We don't call them freaks anymore, Thank right? You. <laughs> and they basically went again the, the owner of the circus, and they killed him and everything. And then they had to go on the, you know, road to try to get away from people, and they created their own community. 
right. to you know survive and stuff. But it's it's really it's really well done. There is some political things where you kind of cringe at, <laughs> right? Of course, the thirties. But it, it's a great movie, and it, you really feel for these people. That's why I was saying I kind of feel for them, right? Yeah, like, for sure. They didn't ask to be born this tall. They, you know, mm-hmm. like give them a break. You know, so anyway. yeah. Any com- more comments on that before I get my space penguins? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, that's very, it's very interesting. I could definitely see like bits of it being rooted in truth. Um, sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Awesome. So my next story is a fun story. You're going to get a kick out of it. Like I said, you guys can <laughs> laugh at it and have some fun, but I'm going to really twist your minds because this could be the truest encounter with a cryptid slash alien ever recorded. Oh, interesting. So yeah, nice teaser, right? Um, So this one's called Tuscumbia Space Penguins. And this is uh, a great story. And it's going to, for a second, people, we're going to go from the paranormal to the extraterrestrial. So put on your tinfoil hat. (laughs) Done. I've got mine ready. Take me to your leader. Um, and this comes from a really fun wiki fandom site um, called Cryptid. Um, it's like a it says Cryptid Wiki fandom blogs, and they have a. But I'll share it with you, uh, Brooke, because I think you'll get a really quick uh, kick out of it if you haven't. Yeah, definitely. It. And also a story from called Strange Strangeology dot com. Yeah. So <laughs> when you think of aliens from another planet. You think of typical grays, right? The black eyes, kind of human mm-hmm. size. They're among us, by the way. But that's another <laughs> episode. Um, <laughs> stay so, tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, so, but these aliens look more like penguins. That's Ooh. according to Claude Edwards, a like farmer. Um, and he's from Tuscumbia, Missouri. So let me take you back to 1967. Valentine's Day in the rural uh, Midwest, like I said, town of Tuscumbia, Missouri. It's an early winter morning. Claude Edwards, a then 64-year-old farmer, was getting ready to attend to his daily farmer, farmer duties. And then as he dressed for the bitter cold weather, he had no idea what would be awaiting him on his remote piece of land. <laughs> Just a so, normal day, you know? See normal you day, see. you know, getting ready to feed the cows and slop the slop and hold you know, <laughs> the field. Um, <laughs> so when he ventured out, he, um, he looked towards the barn. Um, and then, you know, something was kind of weird there. And then, you know, he noticed his cattle in, uh, this is the eastern field, where all everything where was kind of looked agitated. Like, I don't know what cows look like Agi- agitated, but I imagine <laughs> if you're a farmer, you would know, right? Mm-hmm. And what he saw was, you, know, you, uh, you guys probably see the pictures here. I'm going a little bit ahead here, was these creatures <laughs> in the field. And he believed them, this is Edwards, believed them to be about three foot tall. And they had a grayish-green-like uh, ship, 
He also said that they had a wide set of black eyes and were wearing like goggles. <laughs> and their arms were moving so swiftly that he had trouble discerning if they had hands. So, oh, okay. So that's like the right? flippers. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, right. Okay. So he's going out, he's looking at this. And then all of a sudden he was like, well, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit closer. Of course, that's exactly what you do. <laughs> Let's go and, check it out. Yeah, right. What's on my land? Damn it! Um, so he started to go a little closer, and he was awestruck. Now this is a farmer, and if you know, like my whole side, my mom's family are farmers. They mm. don't get rattled by nothing. They've seen it and heard it, and it, it's crazy. And if you ever get a time. To talk to farmer stories, which I would love to do some farmer stories about cryptids and stuff. Oh man, mm -hmm. they're the best. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he's going there, and you know, he still again see them. The, like they're frantically throwing their arms around, or he thinks their arms, you know, you can't really tell. So he gets a little closer and stuff, right? And <laughs> so he goes to the first fence. Nothing. He's still seeing these creatures, right? Then he gets to the second fence. Now you can kind of see them a little closely. And like I said, they kind of look like they're wearing, I, I want to switch up here, like a hazmat suit, okay? That's what I'm saying. Like a tiny hazmat suit with like a gas mask. That's kind of the best picture I can do. So uh -huh. he gets a little closer, and he notices their mm -hmm. color green. And so <laughs> he sees the ship, sees these like penguin creature things wailing their arms and running all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where I love because this is typical farmer like human thing you would do. So what do you think you would do? Okay, Megan, I'm put you I'm put you in here. Valentine's Day, you're on your farm, you're going to do your stuff, you go out and see these creatures. What's the first thing you're going to do? It <laughs> sounds bad, but if it was my cows I would be yeah. like getting out the shotgun. Like I'm gonna protect okay. my herd. Megan, you know, little wow, tiny that green things. Fast. <laughs> like, Megan, slow down, slow down. No, I think I'd protect my cows, especially if there's okay. like, a whole ship and little okay. creatures walking around. I don't yeah. know. What about you, Brooke? I think that's totally fair. That's what I was thinking. I wow. was like, I wow, feel like I would just <laughs> we're wow. violent, I guess. We're protective of our cows. So he or just go to yell at him. Oh, there you go. That's that's gentler. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't do that. He threw a rock. <laughs> he threw a, okay, okay. Yeah, Naturally. So he, rock, he throws this rock. And now something strange happened. It was like a force field. Okay. Oh. So he throws oh. a rock. I don't know, ping, whatever the hell it does. It just boom, bounces off, right? There must be a force field. So this is his quote. This is actually from him. He said, I thought I was going right up to it. I got up there, and there it was. I just walked up against the wall. That is oh, interesting. Okay. So, again, the object just looked like a big shell with a grayish-green-looking uh, color, and they were wearing grayish-green-looking, like I said, hazmat suits is, that, is the best way to look at it. And underneath, <clears throat> there were these oblong holes underneath the ship. And these lights were coming out. And they were so bright, he said he couldn't see when he got up there. But 
it, it was like a color wheel. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys, right? You know, your little mm-hmm. kids had the little color wheel thing in your room. You had to spin that around. So, <laughs> so he sees this right when he says he had enough. He backed off the craft by ten feet, and then instead of shooting a shotgun, ladies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, by the way. Welcome to <laughs> Calm Earth. down. Welcome to Earth, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome to Missouri. <laughs> he throws another rock. Same thing. Bounced off. So <laughs> he noticed that this at this time it's just a feudal gesture. Like there's there's no really um way to get to this thing or see this thing. Um and he sees all of them like scuttling around, you know, and they look like they're really panicky and stuff. And kind of like if you've seen like National Geographics or whatever, the things with the penguins, when they sense like a sea lion's coming toward them, they'll get really panicky. Right. And go, oh, panicky. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the same thing, Aww. right? So <laughs> he's like, okay, all right, what's going on here? Then the craft and its occupants got back in. And the craft kind of tilted towards them like it was going to come at them. You know, mm. especially it come at you two with a shotgun. That's <laughs> true. That is true. So anyway, lifted from the ground, levitated for a little bit. Uh, he didn't hear any propulsion system. He didn't hear like, you know, jet engine or, you know what I mean? Just yeah, right. Something. Total silence. And then it soared up, boom, gone to tremendous speed, took off. So, okay. So here's the thing that I love. Okay. So he did not say anything for years, not family, not friends, nothing. Finally, this one UFO researcher said, you know, was kind of looking around and he heard some stories about this. It kind of, you know, the way it goes, you know, things just kind of get out. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, why this is the most compelling UFO and alien encounter that I read and the lean on the side of being credible is the farmers had a hesitancy, Edwards hesitancy to report it and wishing to remain anonymous. So remember this, he's a simple farmer. He, he doesn't want people coming on his land and looking for aliens. And so why would he lie? You know what I'm saying? Why would he make this up when there's no, he, he gained nothing on this. Zero. Very, very true. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I personally can't imagine a farmer living in a place called Tuscumbia, Missouri, like thinking that he, you know, like like wanting to get uh, like notoriety for something like this. It it definitely seems, you know, and I think it's interesting because it's like even though I've never heard another story about aliens that were wearing little green hazmat suits and had flippers, but. I feel like it's not so dissimilar to other sure. stories of aliens, like other, you know, gray aliens with their like big black eyes. They're about three mm-hmm. feet tall. Like, yeah. I, I feel like there are enough similarities to other similar stories where it seems like, you know, it, it's just people's different like understandings sure. of what's happening, but it could be the same thing that's actually happening in the same like creatures or, yeah, you know, extraterrestrials or what have you. I think it's actually really fascinating. Personally, yeah. I mean, Megan, sorry. Ah, uh, man, I 
I feel a little bad for the little guys. Sorry, Same. I didn't mean to come at you with a shotgun. I just feel bad because it's like, you know, they're, they just came down to earth. They're wearing their cute little jumpsuits. You know, they're trying right. to stay safe. They're like, okay, we're going to put up our little wall. We're going to, you know, stay protected. <laughs> you know, they're not trying to, you know, cause yeah. harm. And, you know, when they see this farmer, they're like, oh, God, we got to get back in our little ship. So it's like, yeah. I feel like maybe they just landed by mistake and they were trying to mm -hmm. you know, figure out how to get back to where they're supposed to go. So I feel a little bad for them. But as far as, yeah, as far as the farmer, it's like, I feel like that's a common trend is people hear these stories or see these things and they don't want people to think they're crazy. So they're like, I'm just yeah. not going to say anything. Or right. maybe they're skeptics. They don't know what they saw or they don't believe what they right. saw. So I don't right. know. I, I guess I don't really blame them. So is that a yes yeah. from both of you? Or I, no? I say I believe them. I, I personally believe believe them. I believe the story. Yeah. I mean, I love penguins, so if there's an alien version, I'm here for it. Yeah, I yeah. agree. They sound cute. They sound yeah. really cute. Yeah. They remind me of minions. Yeah, right? a little bit. Yeah, Trying to live their minions. lives. Or even like um uh the like Guys from Among Us, like the little astronaut guys, oh, they kind of right, look, right, right. <laughs> they kinda look like those guys. Nice. So oh, they're cute. Uh, there we go. So we we're doing pretty good today. We got some yeses on some of our cryptids. So Megan, yeah. do we go? Do we go three for three with Man Bat? <laughs> Take it away. No, you guys. All right. So I have another great story for you all. This one is called The Man Bat of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I chose this one as a shout out to my parents. They tune in every week. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. They actually <laughs> love you, met. mom. Love you, yes. dad. <laughs> yeah, love you. I love my parents, John. Okay. I love them. Yes. I do too. <laughs> we all do. They're listeners. Yeah. We love that. Yeah, we love all you moms, dads, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles tuning in. So uh, my parents <laughs> actually met in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So this is a shout no. out for them. So yes. So the man bat of La Crosse, Wisconsin. This one's kind of weird because it's only ever been seen once by a father and a son. And I'm going to tell you that story today. But the interesting thing about this cryptid is that it has a lot of similarities to some other cryptids. So I might pick Brooke's brain on that later. <laughs> yes. All right. So we have this story. I'll set the scene for you. It's September 26th of 2006. And it's late at night. It's about 930 p.m. And this 53-year-old dad and his 25-year-old son are driving down this road called Briggs Road in the village of Holman, Wisconsin. That's in La Crosse County, so pretty close. So they're driving down the road in this truck together, having a good time, when all of a sudden, their headlights illuminated this figure flying through the air in front of them. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it's this like humanoid, monstrous beast looking thing and it's headed straight okay. for their truck. So obviously okay. they're freaking out. This thing's about to hit yeah. me. So the son actually swerves off onto the side of the road to avoid crashing into this crazy creature he's seeing. They have no idea what it is. But something that's super interesting is that right before this thing is about to hit them, it changes direction spontaneously and it just shoots straight up into the night sky and it just disappears. It's crazy. Interesting. They were, yeah. They were saying it was making this like weird shrieking noise too. So obviously these, you know, two men are like pooping their pants and terrified. <laughs> in their pants. There we go. Yeah. You know, maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. I know. I yeah, agree. sure. 
Yes. But the interesting thing is that after this beast shoots into the sky and disappears, both of these men get instantly sick. So they jump out of the car and they're both just puking their guts out on the side of the road. They're both oh, overcome no. with illness. They don't feel good. Mm. I think the son might have puked like seven times in a row. Ugh. So they're, they're just overwhelmed oh. with illness out of nowhere. So finally, you know, they, you know, start to feel a little better. They get back in the truck and they make their way home. But the interesting thing is that both men remained ill for weeks afterwards with seemingly no explanation, just that they spontaneously felt sick after they saw this thing. Oh, wow. So weeks go by, you know, the illness slowly fades away and the dad is like, I need to remember what this thing looked like. So he gets out his pad and paper and he draws a picture we can put that online so that you guys can see it. But he kind of draws what this thing looked like. And it was grayish brown. It was mm. like six to seven feet tall. So pretty large. But the cool thing about it is it had these large, like leathery bat-like wings that were 10 mm, cool. to 12 feet in span. So it's oh, pretty, wow. pretty large and terrifying. It's like a, a man bat. That's a pretty good uh, title for it. So yeah. Hmm. Not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the man bat, yes. So um, it also had these like large arm-like appendages. They had claws on it. It had these huge monstrous toes, like big feet and toes. Um, but an interesting thing is it had these pronounced ribs on it. So it's like really um, skinny. You could see all of its hey. ribs sticking mm. out. Okay. Yeah, and the last thing is the dad said that it had glowing yellow eyes that reflected back when they were lit up mm, by the headlights. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, so crazy, crazy creature. And this father, like, he was not playing around. He was like, this was not a bird. It was not an animal. I'm 100% certain this is a real monster. Yeah, so what's for sure. Interesting is that this isn't the only story that's, like, kind of similar to this story in the same area in 1997 there was a state dnr worker and they were with uh, a road crew all of yeah. them saw this like flying humanoid creature that kind of looked similar to the man bat but it was a little bit different they said that it looked like lizard like and it was greenish brown so okay a little bit different yeah but it kind of like flew up into the sky the same way that the man bat did. So sure. it's almost like they're in the same cryptid family, but they're not quite the same. Right. Yeah. And then another time, a separate father and son duo than what I was just talking about, they were out searching for their lost dog along the black river. And they came upon the same like lizard man. And it was just staring at them. It was super creepy. Like it would not break eye contact with them. Thankfully, they were hmm. able to get away, you know, but um, it's just very interesting that a lot of these cryptids have very similar right. attitudes and yeah. actions. And it's just interesting. And something that I thought was kind of interesting is there's a theory that there are actually a lot of drownings in the rivers around La Crosse. So maybe this has something to do with the deaths that happen in the area. Like um, one time there was a death that was reported just after the sighting of this sort of like lizard man bat sort of thing. So was it the same yeah. one? Maybe, maybe not. But it's, hmm. it's just very interesting. It's very similar to the Mothman, Brooke. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, know, that's we, what I was gonna say. Yeah. Actually, like weirdly similar because like um, the Mothman, at least the Point Pleasant. There's a lot of different stories of Mothman, but the one that people know the most is the Point Pleasant, West Virginia Mothman. And the first time that uh, a sighting of that Mothman was um, reported was actually um, this couple. I believe it was Roger and Linda Scarberry, and they were they had like, two other friends in the car, and they were driving along a road near like an old TNT plant and had a very very similar experience where like a big black humanoid creature they said like swooped down right at their car and then like disappeared into the night sky like as fast as it showed up um there's a little bit of a difference i guess because they said it had glowing red eyes not yellow and they said that um and they like kind of described him more as being like furry or like feathered um Mm. rather than like scaly but I guess, hmm. like, when it's night, you know, who knows really, like, whether that was accurate or not. But that's really, really fascinating. And they also did not describe feeling, like, sick afterwards. But there's other, like, very weird things that, like, happen. It seems almost like these humanoid creatures could be, like, omens of different Correct. things. Because it with Mothman <laughs> sightings, a lot of times they're tied to, like, some kind of structural failure or, like, calamity that happens. Right. Versus, like, maybe the man bad sightings are more tied to, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, like, death or, like, people. Well, actually, weirdly, though, now that I think about it, like, the Mothman was also kind of tied to people drowning because there was a bridge right. failure, but it did end up, like, people died because they drowned in the water mm. when their cars went into the, the bridge when the solar yeah. bridge collapsed. Like, 43 people, I think, ended up um, drowning and dying. So it's odd that the other sightings would also potentially be connected to like drownings mm-hmm. um very interesting yes yeah let us know what you all think send us an email yeah. let us know we'd be interested to hear your thoughts Absolutely. yeah all for right sure. so i'm gonna pass it off to brooke she's got a great ending story for us we'll hopefully oh, end on we a didn't high do note yes or no on man bad oh yeah yes or oh, no <laughs> yes all right go ahead john what do you think <laughs> um so i'm trying to think one thing I've discovered was really uh, kind of interesting recently. Um, there's these things called uh, tupas or topas, and right, yeah. they are developed by people who eventually, you know, how when you're thinking about something and you manifest it. So let's say, you know, yes. I don't know, you, you go to a party and there are a bunch of people sick there, and you're like, oh man, I'm going to get sick. I know I'm going to be sick. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Next day you get sick. For sure. And that's kind of the topas, what they're saying, like, for instance, like Slender Man. Slender Man was made up. Everybody knows it. But now that people are putting their effort and their mind, their collective minds behind it, people mm-hmm. are starting to see Slender Man. <laughs> and they're trying, you know what I'm saying? Right. So with something like this, maybe it's something that people saw. And now people are like saying like, Oh, you know, maybe the maybe this is like what I see now, and this is what's going to happen if something bad's going to happen. I right. don't know if that's true, but it's a really interesting theory that I read recently. How all these paranormal things happen that we make them happen <laughs> through our right. collective mind. So my feeling is that this thing is not real, and it's something to do with just people. I don't know, maybe mixing something up. But I don't know. I would say a no on it because I'm I'm not really getting the vibe like I've gotten from the other two that I'm like, oh, definitely that could be it. So, yeah. Brooke, Megan, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I actually remember there being an episode of Supernatural about uh, Tulpa, and that was, yeah, what, what happened was that they had, like, the entire town had essentially, like, manifested this monster um, because they all just, like, thought it was real, and then it just, like, was thought into existence. And I, I think that's really interesting because I do think there's something to that, like, the collective consciousness being, like, powerful enough to kind of will things into happening or into existence um and it could explain a lot of different things like it could be an entire theory as to like why any paranormal thing happens but it doesn't necessarily mean it's not real it just means like you know it's very very fascinating and i agree i think that is a definite possibility i guess i lean towards like i believe that the father and son like had this experience absolutely as a whether or not hmm. I think there's okay. an actual man bat flying around, I don't know. But sure. um, I believe gotcha. that, like, they experienced it. You know, it's like this weird, mm. this weird thing where it's like, yes, I believe them, but also, like, I don't know if I think it's real, but I believe that it happened. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there you go. It's, it's kind of a weird dynamic, but <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I think to go off of Brooks, I could see how there could be like a cryptid family of all of these different Mm. slightly different creatures. And I do believe that omens could be true. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe for them, this was true to them, but I don't know if I, I would probably lean towards no, but I do think it could be a thing that cryptids kind of take different shapes and sizes and forms. So it could be different, you know, in each state or each region of the U S or even throughout the world. That's true. It could even be like, maybe there's something about the human psyche that we don't understand where like people have these kind of psychic feelings that something bad is going to happen. And that for some reason manifests as like them seeing some kind of weird creature yeah. And it's like almost like them having like a vision that something bad is going to happen. Right. But we don't really understand why or like how it happens, but it just sure. does, you know, like who, who really knows? I don't know, but yeah, that's uh, what makes the show so much fun. Right. And Woo-hoo! I feel like as we, as we like tell more stories and learn about more people's experiences, we, we can kind of yeah. connect the dots a little bit and maybe like understand it a little bit more, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can move on to our last story unless anyone else had any last. No, uh, any last no take I, it away, Brooke. I'm excited about Peppy. Yeah, Peppy. <laughs> uh, this is this is kind of a fun one, and I think this one kind of uh, reminds me. It's a little bit hodaggy. It's very All much right. Loch Ness monster. I love the um, Yeah, <laughs> we I'm love sure. the I guess. Yeah. Um. So I, I after doing some research, I do think that. Um, this could be like, we could come back to this because it is very interesting. And there's a lot of um, history about um, Peppy, the like Peppin monster. Um, Peppy's he's called more um, affectionately by the, by the locals. Um, But so, yeah, we'll talk about, talk about this uh, fun little cryptid Um, Lake Peppin. It's located actually on the Mississippi river. So it's kind of like a wider part of the Mississippi river. And then it, you know, continues to go North and South or whatever. Um, and it's actually like bordered as much of the Mississippi River is in the northern area uh, by Minnesota and Wisconsin. So Minnesota's um, on the west side and Wisconsin is on the east side of it. And there is a town called Lake City um, on the shores of Lake Pepin, which is on the Minnesota side of the lake. Um, and it has a small population between like 5,000 and 6,000 people. 
But it's actually mm. like a very common kind of touristy um, place. People go camping there. People go water skiing there. It's very beautiful. Um, and in Lake City and the surrounding areas, tales of Pepe have actually been told since the 1870s, as far as oh, people wow. can tell. Yeah. So the first like documented sighting of this lake monster was in, I think, 1871. Um, it could be before that, too. But that's kind of like the first for sure sighting of this monster. Um, and this place really is beautiful. Um, and it's also actually known as the birthplace of water skiing, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, <clears throat> and um, yeah. And Laura Ingalls Wilder actually wrote about Lake Pippin in her book, um, Little House in the Big Woods. So she described her first look at the lake at, in the following excerpt. So she said, after a long time, Laura began to see glimpses of blue water between the trees. Then all at once, the road came out of the woods and Laura saw the lake. It was as blue as the sky and it went to the edge of the world. As far as she could see, there was wow. nothing but flat blue water. So Ooh, she thought it was there. beautiful. It, yeah, yeah it, it's honestly like, I mean, it's not that far away, realistically. And it's if you look at pictures, it's very right. pretty. Um, so similar to Tales of the Loch Ness Monster, who obviously is very, very popular and well-known, um, Peppy is supposedly a large serpent-like sea monster. So some people describe it as looking like a prehistoric plesiosaur, which a lot of people, you know, say that's what the what Nessie looks like too. Okay. Um, but others, others who've seen it describe it more like an eel or a worm. Um, so <laughs> okay. like a really, I like that. really big worm. Yeah, just a big scary worm. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, so stories kind of differ, but um, it's kind of the same thing with uh, the Loch Ness Monster, too, is like some people, yeah, say a plesiosaur. Some people say it's like a big slithery thing. Um, okay. But uh, so there's a guy who lives in Lake City. His name is Larry Nielsen, and he is a native there um, to the town. And he is also, interestingly, keep this in mind going forward, he is the president of the tourism board. Um, oh, and interesting. There we go. Come on down. Always, yeah, always an interesting, you know, you know, just a little bit of skepticism. Um, and he also is the owner of a 125 passenger paddle boat known as the Pearl of the Lake. So people come to Lake Pepin and they um, will pay to, you know, take his Pearl of the Lake boat um, on like sunset cruises, that kind of thing. Oh um, so he has had an experience <clears throat> and he actually decided to put up a reward for $50,000 to anyone Whoa. who can, yeah, Whoa. I know a pretty All decent right. time to change um, to Sweet. anyone who can actually prove the Lake Pepin monster is real. Um, so he actually um, did that in 2008, I believe is when he announced that. And it's still a thing oh. to this day, as far as I can tell. Oh, I know what yeah. we're doing. I know, I know right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be fun? I think that'd be so fun. We should definitely do that. But, uh, <laughs> that's um, so he he claims that he and his wife actually ha had seen or had an experience with um, the Lake Pepin monster. So he and his wife were out on the lake on one of their boats and um, and there was like no one else out on the lake in the area. Um, and they actually saw a huge wake about 100 feet long and a foot and wow. a half feet high. And there was like no logical reason for it because there were no other yeah, boats true. out there. So yeah, so it was almost like a like the wake of like a ghost boat. Like that's what it that's mm. what I'm like envisioning. Sure. Um, but like he he thought that it was something under the water, like um, which would make sense. <clears throat> but that would have to be a very large creature to make that large of a wake, obviously. So he does believe that um the Lake Pepin monster is out there, at least that's again what he says. 
And so he, he put out this reward in order to receive the $50,000 reward. Um, the person would have to produce a photograph of Peppy that could be authenticated that it wasn't like photoshopped. It wasn't okay. faked. And the other big, the big piece is that uh, they would have to produce a piece of the creature's scales or fins for DNA testing. And the University of Minnesota biology department would have to confirm that the DNA came okay. from an unknown species in the Smart. lake. That's yeah, hard. so that's that's the the kicker, you know. Anyone could maybe take mm. a picture of Peppy, but yeah, right. Yeah, but can you get Photoshop one of his scales? It. Yeah, or of her scales? Yeah, we don't Photoshop know. Something. Yeah, for sure. But you know, so no one has done this yet. No one has been able mm. to uh, prove the existence of Lake Pep or of uh, the Lake Peppin monster yet. Um, something kind of fun, and again, kind of like uh, um, like our friend Linda uh, Chad Lewis shows up a lot, so. Uh, Chad Lewis is a Wisconsin cryptozoologist, and he has conducted his own searches for Peppy, and he also co-wrote a book on the monster um, with no boss called Peppy, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River. Um, kind of fun because, again, we have yeah. uh, a friend that we worked with at our last company um, is friends with Chad Lewis, so we're, we kind oh. of have like a, a different connection with him, too. Um, but he, you know, he writes tons of books about um, like Midwest lore and oh, cryptos and things like that. Um, so in his book, he says that tales of Lake of Pepe go back to the Dakota Indians who, while they lived in the area of Lake Pepin, actually stopped using birch canoes um, and they actually traded them out for like thicker dugout canoes, specifically because the uh, creatures who lived in Lake Pepin could like puncture their thinner oh, birch wow. canoes. Yeah, sure. ah, okay. yeah, so very interesting. And it was actually interesting too, because Chad Lewis, like there was a quote, I can't remember exactly what it was. I didn't put it in um, my outline, so I don't have the exact quote. But he said that like normally he's very skeptical when approaching um, like cryptid stories like this. And he says he usually can go kind of like 50-50 on any given story but mm. he was more inclined to believe right. that there was like something going on with Lake Pepin because of like the stories that he had heard from the natives who had lived in the land for um, a very long time because he he said usually that's not the case like usually there's not as many stories like dating back that far but he just thought yep. it was really interesting so he said he was more like 75 25 on not necessarily that like it's like a big sea serpent plesiosaur but that there's like something living in the lake that maybe people don't like understand um so that was interesting um and he also talked about how the stories of um peppy actually make a lot of sense because like pepin is actually very similar geographically to loch ness um so okay. yeah which is kind of interesting so loch ness is actually um 22 miles long and one mile wide and like pepin is 23 miles long and two miles wide so very similar in terms of like the area um, right. Loch Ness is much much deeper as we know most yeah. of the like lakes and everything in the Midwest they're not it's not that deep um, but Loch Ness I, I don't know the exact number but it's a very very deep lake so that's sure. a much different um, much different but um, both are also surrounded by like beautiful hills and forests and he said that like one like a person if you just like looked at photos um, and you weren't like really familiar you wouldn't really know the difference between the two lakes oh, that's um, cool yeah, so he he thought it was he thinks it's kind of interesting and it makes sense that there's kind of these stories about both about both lakes. So um but many people claim to see this monster every year. Um and some people do have pretty convincing evidence. So Larry Nielsen, again, this is the guy, the tourist guy, um tourism guy. And um 
He said that a fisher once showed him a sonar image of something that was 16 to 17 feet long that was on moving underneath his boat. Um, and they, I guess this fisher was trying to show this as proof to get the $50,000, but he did not. <laughs> not, he did not yeah, he did not there, produce come on, a scale. Look at that. <laughs> yes, he needed the DNA evidence and he didn't have it. So he did not get the money. Um, but yeah, other people have like taken pictures. I did put one picture at the bottom um, of our outline, but um, there's like yeah, other, there's quite cool. a few people who've had, um, had experiences. Um, as you might expect, being in the Midwest, um, one of the main theories about what Peppy could actually be is that it's a sturgeon. Um, yeah. As we know, especially, right. you know, if you listening are unfamiliar with sturgeons, um, the largest one caught in Wisconsin that I could find was nearly um, seven and a half feet long. Yeah, they wow. Huge. They get huge. Yeah. They weighed 240 pounds and was estimated to be 125 years old, which I think that wow. definitely makes sense given how long the stories have sure. been kind of told. Like maybe this is just a gigantic sturgeon and that's not even the biggest sturgeon that's ever been caught there's other sturgeons that have been like longer than 10 feet um and weigh more wow. than 300 pounds um but notoriously they live very like for very long periods right. of time sturgeons can live yeah, um, you know some people think that potentially they could live to be like 200 years and we just haven't like <laughs> you know caught one or right. seen one it's just it's crazy um but interestingly also sturgeons are notoriously bottom feeders so it's not like you wouldn't really just see them in the lake you know like that's right the other thing that people are like well like how would it really be a sturgeon because it's the, they don't like swim to the top of the lake for like really any reason but um but it's a you know it's a possibility it is definitely a possibility that that fisher guy who saw some or who caught on mm, sonar or something right. in the lake beneath him that that would have been a sturgeon um but 17 feet long that would be an insanely large sturgeon yeah <laughs> totally it would be. The, i know sturgeons are like I, they freak me out man like i know that they're bottom yeah. feeders they're totally harmless but oh my god they're Ooh. so freaking big it's crazy yeah yeah um if you look up pictures of it it's like oh my god but anyway um so nielsen again he knows of seven or eight different lake expeditions that have occurred to find um peppy and actually chad lewis was part of one of those um one of those expeditions. So I had a picture of him kind of like in the water with his like sewing machine too. It was kind of fun. Um, so far <laughs> I have not had any luck. Um, however, Nielsen still believes the monster exists and that it's not a sturgeon. Um, and maybe it's just a coincidence that the tales of the monster have been so far very good for tourism in Lake City. Hmm. <laughs> the industry in which he works. <laughs> again, uh, marketing. marketing. We love it. Right? I know. Exactly. That's why it kind of reminded me of the Hodag. And up on the Lake City tourism website, there's actually an entire page dedicated to Peppy as well, and like <laughs> how you can search for Peppy brilliant. when you when you tour That's the city. Um, but so it's very fun. And then just a quick quote from Chad Lewis to end things. <clears throat> he said, "I take comfort in knowing that after hundreds of years of sightings, the Lake Pepin water serpent remains just as intriguing and puzzling as it did when the na first Native people encountered it." I sincerely hope that no matter what happens, Peppy continues to keep the people on the shores of Lake Pepin on their toes, which I thought was fun. <laughs> That's and nice. then, yeah, and there's a little picture from the uh, Lake City website too. It oh, looks very friendly cute. in the picture. Yeah, yeah, it just looks like a friendly little. It looks monster. like a children's show, right? Uh -huh, like, it does. Peppy yeah. the pep, 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 monster, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're workshopping oh it, people. Oh, 
I would love like a little kids like animated show about like cryptids just like enjoying their lives go. and thinking of new ways to like fool the people and that'd be so fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, like so that. that's that's, that's the Lake Pet Monster. <laughs> so yes or no? What do we think? Brooke. Um I'm gonna go with a no on this one. I do think that there's yeah. probably like maybe a very large sturgeon. Um, that yeah, maybe, right. yeah, like maybe a very, very large sturgeon that's like super old and for, maybe it's like disoriented and confused and like goes to the top of the water more than other sturgeons because it's like old and senile. I don't know, but I, I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, maybe that's it. Where am I going? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it doesn't know where it is has bad eyesight. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can see the thing that like, I don't know. I, I would like to actually like learn more about the older sightings because I feel like I focus yeah. too much on that Larry Nielsen guy. And oh, I'm like I yeah. I believe that yeah. he's like milking it for the tourism. Oh, for sure. Oh, no. For sure. Yeah. So uh, it's it's hard to be like, oh, I totally believe it when that guy's involved. But like I would like to hear more stories. Maybe read huh. Chad Lewis's book. That would be interesting for sure. So right, right exactly. now I'm kind of like a skeptical leaning no, but I feel like yeah, I could yeah. be more convinced if I looked more into it. Yeah. What do you but, think, Megan? Hmm, I'm gonna go with no on this one. It's kind of giving me hoed egg vibes. Like, yeah, great for tourism. So mm-hmm. I, I love the story behind it, though. I will give that yeah. to Peppy. Yeah, for sure. He's very cute. Uh, we're three for three, ladies. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because you know that's one of the things to have that thing survive. It would have to, um, you know, mate. So unless there's right. a surge, a sturge, a surge, <laughs> there's a sturgeon around being like some hybrid. Maybe. Surgeon, you know, who knows? Some crazy Could stuff be. Happen, right? Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> so great show. Again, love it. Uh, we had a couple yeses. So yeah. the Banshee kind of, yeah, it was a yes on that. And, you know, Man Bat were kind of like, oh, maybe we got that. <laughs> Happy, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but you are going to be a children's show. Sorry. We'll figure it out. Trust For us. sure. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we, you know, again, coming back to um, with the um, space penguins, you know, <laughs> aliens. That's kind of a yes on that one. And then, of course, you know, with the little people. Um, you yeah, know, the haunches. Kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, but I love all these stories because it shows you how much rich history is not only in our state, but other places Yeah, that really make people come together to tell their stories, which I think is the best. And that's why mm-hmm. we're doing this show. One of the reasons, because we love the paranormal, which we talked about in our first episode. Yep. With the hodag. And, you know, the biggest thing, too, is I really want to tell people, especially I'm going to do a shout out to our super fan, Commander Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> He's been with us since day one and he comments. Hey, shout out to you. Because yes. we love it. You know, uh, we love to hear everyone kind of give their opinion about what they think. We love personal stories. So, again, DairylandFrights at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. Please tell your personal story if you had any of these things. Also, tell us if you want us to do a little bit more on Peppy or Man Bat or Banshee, and we'll see what we can do because, you know, we want to do everything we can 
to make this show fun and interesting for people. And by doing that, remember, subscribing to us on YouTube, all the major ones, uh, podcast sites out there. Um, and it's really, really exciting so far of where we've gotten. Ladies, do you know we have people in New York listening to us now? Nice. All right, cool. We love you all. Oh, hey, what's up, New York? What's up? <laughs> yeah, very good. John and the accents. Yeah. Hey, what's well, up? But... Forget about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now I got New York people mad at me. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, no, we have people in California. We have people in the Netherlands, Canada. Please tell your family and friends because we love to, like I said, not only growing our small podcast could turn to a bigger podcast and we'd love to again hear your story so megan brooke what else can you tell us to do a little sign off here you know we're, we're just excited i think um we'd love to hear people's i think ideas for future episodes we have tons of ideas we're not we don't have any you know uh we have books and books full of ideas of cryptids and legends and spooky stories from around the midwest but um but we'd love to hear from people who have um like personal experiences i think that always you know makes it a lot more more fun and yeah more fun and engaging so definitely let us know megan i think one thing i'm taking away from today is that we need to be a little nicer to our cryptid friends not all of them are trying to you know come out to get us maybe the haunchies Maybe, yeah, but maybe some of them might be a little misunderstood. So maybe yeah. we should have a little bit more compassion to our cryptid friends. I agree. Totally I agree. agree to you cryptids out there. If anyone's listening, hey, <laughs> who knows? So, <laughs> right? Yeah, come on the show. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so next week we have a another full episode. <laughs> right? We'll do another mini episode. It will come up. Uh, believe me, we got plenty of stuff on it. But <laughs> I'm super excited about this. The Ridgeway Ghost. Okay, let me get a little teaser here. He's the first ghost to ever hurt a person. The actual physical Interesting. Okay? And then, Brooke, I love yeah, it. Yeah, the mineral vampire point vampire. story. <laughs> <laughs> I think mineral that'll be fun. Vampire. Yes. Among other things we'll have out there. So again, say your go tell your ghosts we say hi and Parascani's we love you and we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye.